I love science, don't you? Aren't you thrilled with all the benefits that we have today in science? iPhones, computers, all kinds of technology. I, I saw a commercial now that Domino's is delivering pizzas without a driver. So, so science is an amazing, an amazing thing. There are many things that science can do. How does science work? Well, science first, either on purpose or by accident, uh, observes something. The famous story is of Isaac Newton having an apple drop on his head one day, sitting under an apple tree, and he discovered gravity. He discovered it. It was always there. Those laws of nature have always been there. One of the most amazing uh, things to me is aeronautics. I'm still amazed, and I've, I've flown thousands of miles all around the world. I'm still amazed that those huge planes can get off the ground. But it's all because of the laws of aerodynamics. And, and um, people sometimes don't understand that for something to be a law, it has to be first observed. And, and, then, and then it has to be repeated. And then it has to be observed again. Why do I say that? Because our text today is about is about the beginning of everything and the end of everything. In addition to the, the meaning and the morality of everything. So there are many things that science can do, but there's also a limit to what science can do. For instance, um, because it has to be observed and repeated and, and tested in, in various situations, then and only then does it become a theory. Why do I say that? Because there is a widespread belief in the theory of evolution. And I hate to say this, most Christians have caved on the issue. Evolution is not a theory. It's not even an educated guess. At best, at best, it is a supposition. Why? Because it can't, it can't be repeated. And it can't be tested. But, but again, I'm concerned today, I'm concerned especially, not so much about from, from the scientific side. Because one of the amazing things that's happening is scientists are discarding the theory of evolution because they realize it can't be repeated, it can't be observed. I read this week of a scientist who used to believe in evolution, but he concluded that even if you add a billion years, 
You can't turn a rock into Beethoven. It's just not going to happen. And, and, and you could do it for a hundred billion years. And you're still not going to get a rock to turn into incredible music by someone like Beethoven. So I want to talk to you in the next couple of weeks, and, and, and I'm just introducing today, but I want to talk to you about the end of the world. And in talking about the end of the world, I also want to cover the beginning of the world, a little bit about the beginning of the world. There are many things <laughs> that science can't do. But you need to be assured, you need to be stabilized in your faith. You need to be encouraged in your faith. If you go to a party, <laughs> if you go to a party, and unless you're surrounded by Christians who believe exactly like you, and you spurt out in a conversation that you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, and if you go one step further and say, He did it, in literally six days, and oh, by the way, he's going to bring all of it to a conclusion in his time, well, you'll probably be asked to leave the party. Or at best, you will be shunned at the party. People will quickly move away from you. And that's kind of what I'm after. I'm, I'm here for these next couple weeks just just to encourage you as believers, number one, don't be intimidated. And here's why. Because the truth's on your side. The truth's on your side. And, and you need to be encouraged in the truth. Number one, so that you won't be intimidated. Number two, and this is hard in this world, that you won't believe the propaganda. Because, because what's going on today with what people are espousing about the beginning of the world and the end of... There's a movement called the Green Movement in which people actually believe that we can destroy this planet. We can't. <laughs> Genesis 8.22. God has assured us that he will keep this planet going. Now, we can be good caretakers of it, it, it bothers me when I, see, when I see garbage from McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King, a sack of garbage that someone has thrown out. It, it bugs me to death. It's like, really? You couldn't take that to a garbage can? So, yes, we need to be good caretakers. And, and by the way, that's what science is for. Science can actually help us. You know the word science? You know what science, you know what it means? To know. <laughs> That's it. It means to know. So for it to be science, you have to actually not just, not just have a theory. It has to be tested and repeated. And you finally conclude, yes, this is true. Like, like um, Einstein's theory of relativity. How did, they, how did they turn it into a theory? Because they tested it in all kinds of situations. And they finally concluded, after rigorous testing, yes, the theory of relativity is actually true for now. 
for now. We'll get into that in the message. For now. Maybe not in the past. Certainly not in the future. But for now, the theory of relativity can be tested, and it actually is a theory. But as I said, if you get nothing else out of the message today, you need to start your study because you need to understand that the whole evolutionary idea is nothing more than propaganda in which scientists, scientists, by the way, are turning away from. The most damage today about this so-called idea of evolution is coming from the church. It's coming from pastors. It's coming from heads of Bible colleges and heads of uh, Christ, so-called Christian organizations. And, and the reason is, is because they have been intimidated and they have bought into the propaganda. So I'm here to, that's my, my job. <laughs> my job is to stand up here and say, listen, this is who we are. This is, this is why we're here. This is, this is how we're supposed to live while we're here. And, and do not believe in the lies of this world. And Satan has a million of them. I want to read, there are many places in Scripture that talk about the end of the world. And probably the best is 2 Peter chapter 3. So uh, we're going to put it up. And I want you to pay careful attention because these are very powerful words. I'm only going to read the first 13 verses today, but we'll look at the whole chapter as we finish up next week. So Peter starts this way. He says, this is now the second letter. First Peter, second Peter. And, and, and here's the whole idea of the epistle, these letters from Peter. He's, he says, I'm writing to aliens. <laughs> That's what he says. You are legal aliens, but you're aliens. Yes, you're Americans. I get it. I'm, I'm proud to be an American. But I'm even more proud. I, I love kingdom, kingdom seekers. That's what these kids are. That's what I am. I'm a kingdom seeker. And, and my... My home, this is not my home. This is, I'm an ambassador in this place. Whenever I talk to people, I represent another kingdom. And, and yes, you know, I, I keep one foot in both places. <laughs> like if you're going to live in this world, and you live in the United States, you hit the jackpot. As I said to Linda on the way over here, you know what? Most, most people in this country, even though they're, they're many times very unsure about what's right and what's wrong, most people in this world are really pretty decent people. I, here's, what I tell, here's the way I tell people. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning and an American pulls up on a country road, to a stop sign, what will they do? What will they do? Most Americans I'm talking about, what will they do? They'll stop. Most of them will stop. Right? That's what we've been taught. 
Follow the law. Obey the rules. You take that for granted. <laughs> because that's not true. Most people in other places don't even stop in the, at high noon. Right? So, so when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, reminding you, yes, you're Americans. Be proud to be American. Be, my wife is a flag waver like you can't believe. She, she loves this country, and I'm glad. But this world still is not my home, as good as this is. Because, guess what? This country may someday go away. If the Lord tarries, there's a real good chance. Because kingdoms rise and fall. And, and I am a citizen of heaven. It's, it's what I go back to this past election. I know Christians that are still upset because they didn't get their candidate. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but... I think someone said to Alan said to me, God's in control. Some, no, Bob. Bob said, we were talking about his surgery. And, and Bob said, I said, everything going to be, he goes, God's in control. Right? So, we, so no matter what we're going through, we realize we are ain, uh, aliens and strangers. He says, now this is the second letter I'm writing. Beloved, in both of them, this is what every pastor is supposed to do. <sighs> and every pastor doesn't do it, and it really gets me ticked off. The last thing a sermon should be is boring. It's the last thing it should be. I remember as a kid sitting in church, and I had to sit between my parents most of the time. You can guess why. But I, I remember looking up and, and seeing my mom and dad listening to the sermon and thinking in my head, they're faking it. This is all for my benefit. Because I, I don't even understand what's being said right now. See, when you, when you come, you're supposed, to be, you're supposed to be stirred up. Paul says to Timothy, what does he say? He says, I'm writing and then I'm coming to see you. You know why? Because I want to stir up your spiritual gift. Because Timothy was timid at times. He says, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. You're, anything I tell you, by the way, is not going to be new. <laughs> You've heard it before. We're not looking for the novel and the unique. I'm reminding you of things, and you need to be reminded because you have ism. We all have ism, right? You know what ism is? Incredibly short memory. You know when I sin? You know when I sin? I sin when I forget who I am. That's when I sin. Because I forget that I'm a child of God. That's it. Verse 2, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So, so the scriptures are full of the idea that that this, this planet is going to come to an end. In fact, John MacArthur says, this is a disposable planet. <laughs> it's been created by God for a specific purpose so that he can carry out a narrative 
to bring to himself a whole group of people that he is going to make part of his family. And, and when that last family member comes into the family, then the use for this planet is pretty much over. Verse 3. This is, this is part of why I'm reminding you. Verse 3. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Now, before we go on, let me explain what last days. See last days in there? People think that's like when we get close to the end. No. Last, the last days began when Jesus, when Jesus came to this earth. That was the beginning of the last days. So when Jesus, from the time Jesus came to the time Jesus comes again, that whole period of time, and so far it's been thousands of years, hasn't it? Two thousand years have, have made up the last days. Now notice, notice, this is what you're up against. Three things. So scoffers will come in the last days scoffing. <laughs> so you're going to be surrounded by people who listen or know what you believe, and they're going to scoff at it. They're going to make fun of it. They're going to, really, you believe that? <laughs> you think God made, waved a magic wand and created the earth in six literal days? Really? David Hume, famous scientist, atheist, this was his conclusion. The resurrection could not have happened because people don't rise from the dead. That was, that was his conclusion. See, the one, thing that, the one thing that science can't do is operate outside of natural law. They, as I said before, they don't even know where natural law came from. What's interesting to me always is they use the natural law that God created to come up with some of their silly ideas. Because they can't explain a miracle. Because a miracle always operates outside, outside of natural law. That's why it's a miracle. <laughs> that, when you move from natural to supernatural, you move into a completely different realm. As I said before, there are there are things that scientists can't do. What is it that God can't do? Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing that God can't do. God can do. God can do everything, and God can do anything that he wants as determined by his holy character. For instance, God can't lie. God can't lie. God can't cheat. God can't manipulate or, or deceive you. You know, if God could manipulate, do you know that every person in the world, he could get every person in the world to believe whatever he said because he's, he's wise enough to do that. But he can't manipulate. So they will come scoffing. Now listen to why they scoff. The second phrase is why they scoff. Following their own sinful desires. See, that's what's behind everything. If you want to know why people deny the Creator 
and the Redeemer and the Restorer and the Judge and the King. Here's why. Here's, here's, here's the bottom line. If you, if you could get behind, if you could sit down and say, why is it really? Tell me the truth. Why are you proposing such a cockamamie idea that something came from nothing? Tell me that, right? All this Huxley, the Huxley family, the Huxley family were the bulldogs for Charles Darwin. In fact, Huxley did more to advance um, evolution than Darwin ever thought about. But all this Huxley said this, one of the descendants, in, confession, in an essay called Confessions of an Atheist. He said, really, really, the reason, the reason behind my embracing, and I'm paraphrasing, the reason behind my embracing of the fact that we are here by accident, because if there is a creator, that means there's a judge. And if there's a judge, that means I'm going to be judged. And I, I did not want the restraint of a judge to hold back my immoral proclivities. So this is, this is what's driving it. It's not science that's driving it. It's ego. It's power. But it's not science. Science is to know. They will come scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And here's the real issue. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. How long, how long has the church been talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ? 2,000 years. Right? <laughs> Acts chapter 1. This same Jesus who has been taken up from you will likewise return again. So the second coming is part of our whole belief system. And, and in the early, here's one of the problems. In the early church, they thought it was going to be pretty quick. <laughs> you know, like, like Jesus left, and 20 years later, they're like, why isn't he back yet? And there were people coming along, scoffing, ridiculing, and saying, so when's he coming? When's he coming? Do you know what you won't hear today? When, you know, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, you would hear messages about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus is coming soon. That's, we live with this eminent hope. Pastors don't talk about it today. You know why? Because they're embarrassed. And they're afraid. And, and nobody likes being made fun of. I get it. You know, the old thing of sticks and stones may break, break my bones, but words will never hurt me wrong. You could throw a stick at me anytime. But don't chop me down with words. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So, so the first thing, the first uh, attack that you're going to feel is ridicule. The second one is what's really behind it is their lustful desires. And those are very powerful desires for them so that they have a good reason to attack you 
Because, because you always have to connect it now. You always have to think of it this way. If there is no creator, there is no savior. If there is no savior, there's no judge. And if there is no judge, there's no king. And so, where's your king? I thought you said he was coming back. All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, we'll talk about this next week, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. By the word of God. Underline that. That's how everything was made. How? God spoke it into existence. That's how. That's what God does. Verse 6, And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. That's the flood. And by the way, most of the fossil record can be accounted for by the flood. Most of the, the so-called evidence can be accounted for by... Do you know that they find shark teeth in the desert in Arizona? Do you know that they find seashells in the Grand Canyon? And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. And by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire. The earth is never going to be destroyed by water ever again. But it will by fire. There's going to be an atomic explosion that destroys the whole universe. By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's, that's why we understand the last days. We're, from 2,000 years ago till now, from God's vantage point, we're in day two. We're, at the, we're just at the end of day two. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. People ask, why is there suffering in the world? The answer is right here. This is why there's suffering in the world. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should re reach repentance. But the day of the Lord, that's the end, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heaven, heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So, so this world is going to, this universe is going to go away, and it's going to melt. Atoms are going to explode, and God's going to do it the same way he created it, by the word of his mouth. Now here's what I want to leave you with, verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's the world I'm looking for, aren't you? 
I can't wait to get to that world where righteousness dwells. And, and you know what? It's going to be created. The, the new heavens and the new earth are going to be created the same way this present earth by the word of the Lord. And it's going to happen instantaneously. And when he's finished, it's going to look like it's been around forever. So he's going to do all that in an instant. Let me close with this. I want you to focus on Jesus because that's, that's the secret. Jesus is the creator, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So he was the, he was the creator. How did we get here? Jesus made everything that is. Second, Jesus is not only the creator, he's the one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, had a purpose in mind when we were created. What was that purpose? That purpose was that a people born over time would be called out from humanity. That's why he's patient that's why he puts... Do you understand how much patience God has with the ungodly? Do you understand how they shake their fist at him and dare him? And do you understand the restraint that he shows in not destroying them? I, I always think <laughs> the cross of Jesus Christ, part of the greatest exhibition of power was his restraint on that cross not to come down and just, and just destroy everybody there. Because he could have. So God patiently waits. Why? Because he's calling out a people. Do you know that if God had judged the ungodly 2,000 years ago, I'm, I'm from Scotland. If God had judged, judged the ungodly from Scotland, my wife's from Germany, it's the same. <laughs> he had destroyed all the ungodly 2,000 years ago. Germany and Scotland would be wiped out. Why? Because they were all pagans. My people were running around in, in animal skins, drinking blood. But you know what? God said, I'm not going to destroy them. Because a couple thousand years from now, There's going to be a little red-headed baby born. And he's from his people. And he's going to stand and proclaim my glory. So God is patient. And the purpose that Jesus has for us is to be his brothers and sisters and his family. How are we to live? Peter says, this is how we're to live. We're to live with boldness. We're to live with understanding. We're to live with wisdom. We're to live looking into his word for what is true. And what's our destiny? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. My Redeemer lives. And he has a plan for me 
and all of his people. And someday, this kingdom seeker is going to enter into that kingdom fully. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you that you know what you're doing. You know where we came from. You know why we're here. You teach us how to live while we're here. And you tell us what happens when we die. Lord, help us to withstand ridicule, the ungodliness, the sinful, lustful desires of this world, and some fake idea that the way things are is the way they've always been and always will be. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we know the author behind the entire story. We give you thanks and praise in your blessed Son's name and our wonderful Savior, Jesus. Amen. At this time, I'd like to have, uh, invite Pete Tamling to come forward. He has a, a special announcement for us today. So, Pete. Good morning. Um, so I just, just want to take an opportunity just to uh, speak to the congregation here and certainly uh, those that are watching on live stream right now. Um, just catch you up a little bit on, I guess, the past year and a half real quick. Um, I've been going through uh, a lot of different health issues. I also uh, will be getting married in July of this year. And um, I'm looking forward to, to that time with, with my wife-to-be. Um, God, has, God has richly blessed me um, being a pastor of care for this congregation for 11 years total. Uh, there was a, a break in between. Um, I'm so grateful for, for the many blessings, but two weeks ago, I uh, asked the elders to meet with me, and uh, I announced that I will be stepping down. I will be retiring uh, the end of June of this year. Um, this was no easy decision by any means, but um, it's also a decision that, um, yeah, I need to take care of some of my my health issues right now as I go on in my later years of life um, but I, I can't even express um, just the gratitude and the blessings that uh, through this ministry of pastor of care uh, that has blessed me with just so many so many opportunities to to come alongside of the congregation in so many different areas. Um, we all know what 2020 was, um, and it still kind of follow us right now, but um, for many of my 11 years, I was been able to hardly ever be in the office. I would be out visiting with people, being in hospitals, visiting, um, actually, um, 
doing funerals for some of our loved ones that have passed on in the past from this congregation. Those things have changed, and um, hopefully one day that will be again something that that can be more more out there. I've talked to other other pastors as well, and the same thing for them. It's it's been a struggle, uh, especially in this type of ministry. Um, I just this I just want to show you this Bible here. Um, I received this Bible in 2008. It's just one of my, my favorite memories of pastor of care in this church. The man's name was Ralph Hurst. Probably not many of you know him. Uh, he was a member. I remember him coming here and uh, just kind of searching, you know, for a church. And uh, Ralph, Ralph came down with cancer. And... Um, Shortly after Ralph, Ralph's life did end, through that time, though, I was able to spend at least twice a week with him and uh, with visiting. And I came away from those, those meetings more blessed than, than I probably was a blessing to him. At his funeral, which I was honored to be able to do, uh, right before I came up to the podium like this, his daughter gave me this Bible, which I use every day. She says, Ralph wanted you to have this. And she said, he wrote something in this Bible. And he, I, he says, you need to read that. And I'd like to share that just real quick with you. But it just says, Pastor Pete, if you are reading, if you are reading this, I've gone to be with our Lord Jesus. I'm a sinner but my Jesus has forgiven me, Ralph Hurst. So I guess what, I'm, what I remember the most was is, and this is for everyone here and, and watching today, um, always be prepared to give your testimony and to take time out to, to be there for someone that may be just wanting to to be listened to or have a prayer. Um, with that, I will be uh, here until the end of June and uh, in, this, in this position. And I would just like to leave you with these three verses um, that I think I have read many times to different groups in this church or maybe even in council meetings. But I leave these words with you from Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Pete, for, for sharing that with us. Uh, um, in addition to that, uh, uh, probably a more difficult decision, but, but Pete has, has full, uh, told the elders that 
as uh, him and Marilyn, as they start their new life together, that they will be attending Parkview Christian Church, where Marilyn is a member. Um, you know, I know that was a very difficult decision for him as well, after being a member here for 35 years. And, um, you know, I just want to thank Pete for the boldness that he has shown over those years. And um, change is never easy, and I know that was a, a very difficult decision that they've made, but they just think it would be best for for him and, and their new life together to start over. Um, you know, I've been blessed for 26 years to have known Pete. Um, and I know he has been, you know, not only a friend for me when I started here, attending here at 25 years old, but he has, has been one of those mentors, somebody that, that has taught me a lot of uh, how to be a council member, how to be a leader, how to be a, a man in my family. Um, and I am grateful for that. So thank you so much for that, Pete. Uh, so what's next? We are going to have a celebration for Pete coming up probably in, in June sometime to, just to celebrate his time with us uh, and to send him off. Uh, I know he's still going to be around. He's not moving. So uh, we've told him, don't be a stranger and please come back and see us. Um, and, and also with planning for budgeting, the council uh, will get together this May and we'll look at his position and how are we going to fill the role that he has filled um, as we look forward uh, to the next budget season. So can you uh, join me with a word of prayer as we, as we close? Our Father who art in heaven, we just thank you so much for, for the time that the 35 years that, that Pete has been with us. We thank you so much for, for his service to this church. Uh, we thank you so much for also his new life, for, for bringing Marilyn into his life and for the joy that, that he can look forward to, a, a companion. And we are so happy that, that he's getting married and that he will be able to, to celebrate that soon. Uh, and thank you for bringing her to him. We just ask that you will be with them as they start their new life together. And in Christ's name we pray, amen.